Lord willing, tonight I'm going to be preaching on this subject, having praise from God. What in the world does that mean? Having praise from God. Would you turn back to Hebrews chapter 6? We're going to have a baptism this morning. Hunter Small is going to confess Christ in believers' baptism, and I thought I have not preached on the subject of baptism in quite a while, and I want to try to bring a message on baptism. I want you young people, I want everybody to listen, but I want you young people especially to listen to this message. What is baptism? What is this thing of going under the water and coming back up? How important is baptism? Question. Do you have to be baptized to be saved? Was the thief on the cross baptized? No. He was nailed to a cross. He couldn't be. Was he saved? Absolutely. The Lord said to him, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You can't have any more assurance than that, can you? If it doesn't save, how important is it? How important is baptism? Going under the water and coming back up never saved anybody. So, how important is baptism? I've entitled this message that to show us what a bad question that is. That's a bad question. If God says to do a thing, is that a legitimate question? Can we quantify any command God gives? Well, that's important, that's less important, that's more important. Everything God says, without exception, is of critical importance. Does Christ say anything that's unimportant? Well, this is more important than this. Is any man fit to make a judgment with regard to what's important? How important is baptism? Dumb question. If my father told me to do something or commanded me to do something, and if I said, is it important that I do that? I would have found out swiftly that it was. If I was interviewing you for a job and I was giving you the responsibilities that that job would entail and you asked the question, well, is that really important? You ain't getting a job. You're not even going to be considered. The question, is it important, is to be removed from our consideration. Yes, 
everything God says is important. Now, what I want to do, by the grace of God, is preach the gospel from baptism, from the word of God, but from baptism. Baptism is a critical importance. What it teaches is important. As a matter of fact, the gospel message is found in baptism. I hope we're going to see that by the end of this message. Now, you'll notice in our text, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 2, well, let's begin in verse 1. Therefore, leaving the ABCs, the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation. And he mentions the foundational truths of the gospel. He mentions six things. Repentance from dead works, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Those are the six foundational truths of the gospel. I would like to bring a message from that when I do that, but we're just going to confine ourselves right now to the doctrine, the teaching of baptisms. You'll notice the word baptisms is in the plural. <clears throat> There are several baptisms taught in the scripture. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's regeneration. Baptism into Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. The baptism of fire that the Lord experienced. When he said in Luke chapter 12, he'd already gone through water baptism. And he says, I have a baptized baptism to be baptized with, and how is my soul straightened? until it be accomplished. He was going to be immersed, baptized under the wrath of God. He was going to be completely immersed in God's wrath, and that's what took place on the cross. Baptism. What's the word mean? You know, I think it's interesting that uh, it's a transliteration of the Greek word baptizo, baptism. I think it's interesting they don't translate it. What it means is immerse. That's all it means. Immerse. You are submerged under the water completely. You immerse. You're submerged under the water. You come back up from the water. You have emerged from the water. That's what the word means. And yet it's translated baptized. I wonder why that is. I think it has something to do with the people that... Uh, uh, translated the scripture, didn't practice baptism by immersion. Therefore, they just kept it baptized to keep it kind of um, uh, whatever you're doing when you do something like that. But the word means to immerse, to go under the water. Now, sprinkling is not immersion. Pouring water on somebody isn't immersion. You see, baptism represents death going in the grave. You don't throw dirt, you don't sprinkle dirt on somebody's dead, do you? No, they're taken all the way into the grave and completely covered. The proper mode of baptism is immersion. And probably most, if not everybody in here will agree with that. But you know, you can under you can have the right mode. I'm, I'm right on baptism. And miss the meaning of it altogether. The meaning of it, the doctrine of it, is what is important. 
what does baptism mean? In our text, we read of the doctrine or the teaching of baptism. What does baptism actually mean? The whole gospel is illustrated in this act of baptism. You know, there's not one instance of anybody ever being baptized in the Old Testament. Never happened, not once. You can look. I've heard people call uh, baptism just an Old Testament rite. No, it's not. It's not even found in the Old Testament. No one was baptized in the Old Testament. What is the doctrine of baptism? Union with Jesus Christ. Somebody says, what's that mean? Well, turn to Hebrews chapter 2, and I'll show you. The doctrine of baptisms, whether we're talking about the water baptism, whether we're talking about the baptism of Christ when the fire of God's wrath fell upon him, if we're talking about uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, whatever baptism we're speaking of, the doctrine is union with Jesus Christ. Christ. Look in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. Here's what union is. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. Not simply join closely together. One. I am one. With Jesus Christ. If I'm one with him, who he is, I am. What he did, I did. That's what union with Christ means. I'm one with Christ. Who he is, I am. I take his name. What he did, I did. Listen to the scripture. As he is in the world, so are we. Union with Jesus Christ. Turn to Hebrews chapter 7. While you're in Hebrews chapter 7. Or Hebrews, this, this illustrates what this means. Verse 9, As I may so say, Levi also, who received tithes, Levi represents the priests in the Old Testament. Under Old Testament law, you were to give a tenth to the priests. But here, Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes, in Abraham, for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Now, when Abraham paid tithes, because Levi was in his loins, his great-grandson, Levi paid those tithes. It doesn't say it's as if he paid those tithes. It says he actually paid those tithes. If I'm in Christ... When he kept the law, I kept the law. Whatever he did, I did. Isn't that the hope of the gospel? Union with the Lord Jesus Christ. The only hope I have of being saved is if I am eternally united to Jesus Christ. That's the doctrine of baptism. Turn to Romans 6 for just a moment. Romans chapter 6. 
Verse 3. Know ye not. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized, or as many, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Now, is he saying that everybody who goes through water baptism is baptized into Christ's death? No. How many people have been baptized in water and never knew Christ? How many people have been baptized and were never truly saved, never truly regenerated? How many people have I baptized who are no longer here? Many, many. Probably more uh, than people who have remained when it comes right down to it as far as these things of baptisms. Um, He's not talking about everybody that was baptized by water is baptized into Christ. He said everybody that's baptized into Christ was baptized into his death. When Everybody in Christ, everybody united to Christ, everybody baptized into Christ, immersed into Christ, united to Christ. Only God can do that. (laughs) This is a baptism only God performs. Uh, Water baptism, I I represent something. I put somebody down and bring them back up. But this this is the baptism that I must have, this baptism into Christ, being immersed into Jesus Christ. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, every one of us, were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Verse 4. John, talking about John the Baptist, did baptize. This is talking about water baptism. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan. See, it was water baptism. They were baptized in the river Jordan. Doing what? Confessing their sins. Now, what's that all about? Does that mean that before I go through water baptism, I first got to get up in front of everybody and confess all the sins I've committed? Or even the ones I know about? No, that's perverted. That's what that is, that's perverted. What's it mean then? You get up and confess your sins in baptism. I am saved in the act of baptism that I personally am so sinful that I can only be saved by what baptism depicts. The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The only hope that I have to be saved because I am, I repeat, so sinful. That's what it's talking about when it talks about confessing your sins. I am so sinful 
that I cannot possibly be saved by my works. If there's something that I need to do before I can be saved, I won't be saved. The only way I can be saved is if I'm united to Christ, His perfect obedience, His life, His law-keeping is the only righteousness I know anything about. It's the only righteousness I have. I don't possess anything but that. The only thing that can be done about my sins, I can't do anything about them. I can't make them go away. The only way that my sins can be forgiven is if I was in Christ and when He died, I was in Him and my sins were paid for and put away. The only way I can stand righteous before God, I'm so sinful, that the only way that I can stand righteous before God is if when Christ was raised from the dead, I was raised with Him. All my sins were put away. And by His act without my help, He justified me. That is the doctrine of baptisms. Union with Jesus Christ. Here's what I'm confessing in baptism. I'm saying here's the only hope I have that when he lived, I lived. When he kept the law, I kept the law. When he died, I died with him. I was crucified with Christ. My sins were put away. When he was raised from the dead, I was raised with him. That is the only hope I have of salvation because I am so sinful. That's what it means to confess your sins in this thing of baptisms. I'm confessing I'm so sinful that what baptism depicts is the only way that I can be saved. Is that your confession? Do you believe that? Do you know that? Do you understand that? That the only way that you can be saved is if Jesus Christ lived for you, if he died for you, and he was raised again for you. Well, I'm saying that's my only hope. I believe that from the depths of my heart. Baptism is my public confession that I'm so sinful that all my hope, all of it, 100%, is found in what baptism depicts, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. Now then, what most people believe denies what baptism teaches. They might even believe in water baptism. Oh, I believe in water baptism. I believe in baptism by immersion. Well, congratulations. You ought to. It's what the word means. You know, that's a no-brainer. Um, you're not going to find any support in the scripture from uh, sprinkling or, or, or uh, it's just ridiculous. I, I've, I've heard people say it, uh, baptizing infants, for instance. They say, well, it takes a place of circumcision. Where's that in the Bible? I mean, that's just purely pouring, pulling something out that's crazy. Um, Baptism is by immersion. There's no doubt about it. But here's what most people teach. In Lexington, Kentucky, this morning, Jesus Christ died for all men. He lived for all men. He died for all men. He was raised for all men. He paid for everybody's sins on Calvary's tree. He was making a sin payment for everybody. He was dying for everybody's sin. But there's, He may live for you. He may die for you. 
And he be, may be raised again for you, but you might go to hell anyway if you don't do your part. You know what that is? A denial of the gospel. A denial of what baptism represents in the first place. You're going to tell me that Christ can live for you, Christ can die for you, Christ can be raised for you, and you wind up in hell anyway? Why, you believe in salvation by works. You believe it's dependent on something you do. No believer believes that. We believe our salvation is completely dependent upon what he did in my stead as my substitute. And everybody that he lived for, everybody that he died for, everybody he was raised for, they're all saved. They're all saved. Now, if you believe that Jesus Christ can live and die and be raised for somebody and they wind up in hell anyway, you deny what baptism means in the first place. Union with Christ doesn't make salvation possible. Union with Christ is salvation. Let me show you a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 20 that I think would be helpful. Matthew chapter 20. Then came to him, verse 20, Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children. That's James and John. With her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? And she said unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left in thy kingdom. <laughs> my mom would have done that. I was her only son. She'd make, make sure he's the top dog. You'd probably do that with your kids too. Well, I know you would. I mean, if you got what you wanted, that's what you'd want. You might not admit it, but this woman admitted, I want them to, I want James and John to be on your right hand and on your left hand. But Jesus answered and said, you know not what you ask. And he's um, speaking to these boys now. And we know that from one of the other accounts. He says, are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? And to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And he's talking about him being baptized under the wrath of God. Look at their answer. Yep. We're up to the task. Now, if I was the Lord... I would have harshly rebuked them. Are you guys crazy? But look how he answers. And he said unto them, You shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. When Christ drank that cup, I did too. What he did, I did. When he went to, when he was crucified, when they nailed his hands and feet to that cross, I was right there with him. I was nailed to that cross. I'm crucified with Christ. I did experience the baptism that he was baptized with. I did. Every believer did. It's called union with Jesus Christ. 
That is the teaching of baptisms. Now, when the Lord gave his great commission, before he ascended back to the Father, he said in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. As a matter of fact, why don't you turn there, because I want you to see this with your own eyes. Mark 16, verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 16, Mark 16, verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now notice he did not say he that is not baptized shall be damned. He didn't say that, did he? He said he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Now, what is the point? In this verse of Scripture, the Lord identifies to us who should be baptized. He that believeth. That's the requirement for baptism. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. What is the one requirement for baptism? Believing who Jesus Christ is. Well, don't you need to show your life has changed? Don't you need to give some evidence of being saved before you try something like that? No. No, that works. I remember reading one guy that said when somebody wanted to be baptized, they'd have to, they'd have to stay in the church three years to be examined before they'd let them be baptized. See, the baloney. That's foolishness. That's all that is. That's foolishness. What is the one requirement for baptism? Faith in Christ. You know, people baptize infants. Infants can't believe. It's, 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 it's evil to do something like that. Somebody says, well, that's what I've always been taught. Well, quit thinking that way then. It's, that's not right. Who is to believe? Who is to be baptized? Those who believe. Those who believe the gospel. Um, well, I, I was baptized uh, before I believed the gospel. I believed, no, you weren't. That wasn't baptism. That was some kind of religious rite. You're baptized when you believe, when you hear and believe, and not before then. Baptism is believer's baptism. It's the believer's confession of Jesus Christ. Now, what I'd like to do for the last 15 minutes or so is look at the baptisms in the book of Acts. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Now this is Peter's first sermon after the resurrection of Christ. It's what's known as the sermon on the day, the Pentecostal sermon. And uh, the the sermon on the day of Pentecost, and at the end of this sermon, 3,000 people were converted. 
we don't have an instance like anything like this anywhere in the Bible than this, this glorious sermon he preached. Uh, look in verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Here's where it begins. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by wicked hands, have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of death. Now, at the end of this message, he says in verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard these things, they were pricked in their heart. These were the murderers of Christ. Remember who they were. They participated in his death. They were yelling for his death. They were pricked in their heart. And they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? We're in trouble. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. Repent. Everything you think is wrong. Change your mind. It's all wrong. All your thoughts of God, all your thoughts of salvation, all your thoughts of yourself. That's what repent means. It means change your mind. Change your mind. Everything you think is wrong. Your thoughts of God are wrong. Change your mind. Repent. And be baptized. That's what you do when you repent. Be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, knowing His name, is the only way you'll be saved for, and that word for can just as easily be translated, concerning the remission of sins. Now understand this, repentance in its very essence is a change of mind regarding the remission of sins. You think your sins will be forgiven if you do something, and then you change your mind and you understand your sins will only be forgiven in His name, for His sake, by what He did. Repentance in its very essence Nature is a change of mind regarding how God forgives sins. Now look in verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. I've often wondered how do you baptize 3,000 people? I don't know how they managed it, but they did. 3,000 people. And then they that gladly received his word, the word of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, were baptized in the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Turn to Acts chapter 8. This is when Philip came into Samaria preaching the gospel. And I love verse 8. And there was great joy in that city. There was great joy in that city. Look down in verse 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God. Now here's what they heard. When they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God. And the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized. Both men and women. They heard him preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God. The king of the kingdom. The absolute sovereignty of Jesus Christ. His name, 
His, after, his name is the only way I can be saved. Not my name, his name is the name that God will accept. Have you understood that? His name is the name God will accept. Not your name, his name. When they heard this and they believed this, they were baptized, both men and women. Look in verse 36 of this same chapter. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. Obviously, water's used in this confession. They came into a pool of water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now, he heard Philip preach the gospel so clearly unto him. You'll remember he was in his chariot reading Isaiah 53. He didn't have any idea what it meant. And Philip came up to him and said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I except so the man should guide me? Well, I love his attitude. Here's what I think it means. Here's what I believe. I'm not taught, this is what, I wish you and I would be like this man. How can I? I'm so spiritually stupid. Somebody's got to give me the truth because I'm not going to be able to figure it out. How can I except some man should guide me? And we know that he began at that same scripture where he's reading Isaiah 53 and he preached unto him Jesus. He heard the gospel. And during the course of that message, evidently Paul said something about baptism because he comes up and he says, here's water. Now you tell me what hinders me from being baptized. Is there a reason I shouldn't be baptized? I want to know. And look at Philip's reply. In verse 37, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Do you hear that? He didn't say, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. He didn't say, I believe I'm one of the elect. He didn't say, I believe I've been born from above. He didn't even say, I believe I'm saved. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God the Son, the second person of the blessed Trinity. Faith is believing who he is. Now understand that. Don't miss this. Faith is believing who he is. Do you believe? That Jesus Christ is God the Son, the creator, the absolute sovereign of the universe. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What did they do? And he commanded the chariot to stand still, verse 38, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Acts chapter 16. Verse 14. And a certain woman named Lydia. You know, God always saves certain people. People that he's appointed. Individuals. There's nothing generic about the gospel. A certain woman named Lydia. 
a symbol of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us. She heard the gospel, whose heart the Lord opened. You see, it was a closed heart until the Lord opened it. And it began with her hearing. You see, your heart's not opened if you've never heard. Hearing and opening comes at the precise same time in the divine economy. You hear, God opens your heart. What happens when God opens your heart? She attended. She listened unto the things which were spoken of Paul and when she was baptized. And there's the divine order. She heard and her heart was opened. She listened to what was said and she was baptized. Look in Acts chapter 16 once again, verse 30. This is when that uh, Philippian jailer uh, has it's when he was getting ready to kill himself thinking the prisoners had been fled when an earthquake opened up the jail cells and we read in verse 20 but Paul cried with a loud voice saying do thyself no harm we're all here then he called for a light well there's a lot of uh, that's that's more than just uh, physical light he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now there's not a more important question you could ask. Notice he didn't say, what must I do to save myself? He saw he couldn't save himself. What must I do to be saved? Look at the answer. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Same thing that Ethiopian eunuch did. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord to all that were in his house. He preached the gospel to him. And he took him the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. Even his. Straightway. Turn to Acts 22. This is the last one we'll look at. Now Paul was on the road to Damascus. To kill some Christians. That's what his purpose was. He wasn't on his way to a prayer meeting. Uh, he, was, he was there to, to stamp out the name of Jesus Christ. He hated Christ. And Christ appeared to him. As a great light above the light. The brightness and shining of the sun. Christ appeared to him. and He hit the dirt. He said who art thou Lord? He said I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. That's when he said, Lord, what would you have me do? He said, well, you, you go to, uh, to the house of straight and it'll be told you what to do. And then a man by the name of Ananias comes to him. I love this. You know, Ananias, you never hear, heard of him before this or after this. He was a nobody. 
He was a nobody. Now, I would have sent John or Peter or Apostle to him, but no, the Lord doesn't do that. He, he sends a nobody from nowhere, a man named Ananias. And Ananias comes to him and he says, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And he looked on him and he said, beginning in verse 14, look with me. And he said, the God of our fathers hath chosen thee. First thing he heard was election. First thing he heard, God chose you. God chose you. Listen, if you're saved, if you believe the gospel, let me tell you why. God chose you. You can't give your free will the credit. That's ridiculous. God chose you. The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldst know his will, his will of redemption. That's not talking about knowing his will for what job you take. or No. It's his eternal will of redemption. That you should see that just one, how he made a way to be just and justify the ungodly, and shouldst hear the voice of his mouth, for thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what you've seen and heard, and now, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Why are you tearing? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Why tarriest thou? Now, with regard to faith, believing the gospel, what are you waiting on right now? If you're waiting on anything, that's works. You're thinking about what you need to do. That's works. Well, don't I need to have more of my life changed before I believe? Don't I need to give some kind of evidence of, of me being... Do you hear what you're saying? That's works. Believe now. Believe the command of the gospel now. It's a command. Well, I just don't feel led to yet. That ain't no excuse. Uh, if my dad told me to do something, I use my dad again. If I said, well, I don't feel led to, um, there would be some consequences to that. Uh, I don't feel led to. Well, what's that got to do with it? You're commanded to believe. The gospel's a command. Believe. Your right to do it is with his command. Believe the gospel right now. With regard to baptism, what are you tarrying on? What are you waiting for? If you're waiting for, well, I'm waiting until I, I, I feel more. I, I'm waiting until I understand. That's works. That's works. Believe the gospel and confess Christ in believer's baptism. You're confessing, I am so sinful that I know that the only way I can be saved is if I was in Jesus Christ. And when he kept the law, I did. That's my only hope of obedience, his obedience. I can't do anything about my sin. The only way my sin can be dealt with is him putting it away by his precious blood. The only way I can be saved is by his resurrection. He was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. My salvation has absolutely nothing to do with my works. It's his works. Yeah, I believe in salvation by works. His works. That's what I confess in believers' baptism.
How important is baptism? Stupid question. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, how we thank you for this ordinance you've given us in its simplicity. And Lord, we are so amazed and grateful at the thought of union with Jesus Christ. And Lord, truly, our only hope of being accepted before you is being united to thy blessed Son, being one with him. Lord, to think that when he lived and kept the law, we did. When he died on Calvary's tree, suffering your wrath against sin, we did. And when he was raised from the dead, we were raised in him. And he is all our salvation and all our desire. In his blessed name we pray. Amen. We're not